Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Now we're talking. This is Wretched Radio. Finally, a Bible. (laughs) Just for us tall people. That's right. Available now, probably at Lifeway somewhere, would be your tall person's Bible. You see, we tall people, we have a particular standpoint. Our situation has informed us how the world operates, what we're supposed to believe, how we're to think based on our experience of regularly bumping our heads into low objects. And that is why I'm so pleased to announce Zondervan, maybe it's Tyndale, frankly, it could be either, has now produced the Tall Person's Bible. You say, well, we're not familiar with such a thing. Well, you see, being tall and the editors of the Tall Person's Bible, who were all over six feet, two inches tall, they understand the competition between Saul and David. You see, both of these men, they stood head and shoulders above their contemporaries. And I just know the competition that brings. When you run into somebody else that's tall, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like the NBA. That's what it's like. It's like the NBA. And the competition that happens on the floor amongst tall people, that's why Saul is vindicated. And we shouldn't think that he was so crazy because being tall ain't easy. And you say, speaking of crazy, that is just nuts. But that is precisely what is happening in evangelical Christianity. And the proof of that is in Christianity Today. I took the time to read Christianity Today so that you don't have to. And lo and behold, I ran into, it was all over this particular edition about pronoun usage, standpoint theory. You say, I'm not familiar with this term, but you are if you have been in a Bible study that has ever asked the question, what does that verse say to you? That would be the reader response method. Now, what did the original author intend? That's authorial intent, but the reader response method. So when you read the story of Zacchaeus, what does it say to you? I say, well, if Zacchaeus had eaten his vitamins, he wouldn't have had to climb a tree. That's what the text is about because, you see, I'm a tall person. Reader response is not the way to read the Bible. It doesn't matter how I respond to a text or what I think about a text. The question is, what did the author intend? Standpoint theory, which began late 60s, first wave was 70s and 80s. Uh, There was a second wave in the 90s and early 2000s. And now third wave standpoint theory is in a flux. It basically teaches that your gender, your ethnicity, your sexuality, those things need to be the filter that you use to understand the Bible. In other words, it's it's reader response based on my history, my perspective, my experiences, what I've read, who raised me, etc., but mostly It has a tendency to be feminist, that a woman's perspective helps us to really understand the Bible, 
so that we can cast off the patriarchy standpoint theory it began as a secular concept of course we evangelicals would imbibe the air of secular universities and somehow try to integrate it into theology proper and we did and so you can call it standpoint theology standpoint theory of theology nevertheless it is a secular idea it is a way to interpret based on your gender and that has made its way even into seminaries. For instance, uh, there was a PhD from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary who delivered a lecture basically explaining we have to have an African hermeneutic versus a Western hermeneutic. Here's, here's what she said. People sometimes think of hermeneutics, the art and science of interpreting scripture, as if it has principles set in stone. Um, Exactly. That's that's the whole point. We have to have principles set in stone. Otherwise, we all come up with different interpretations. We come up with enough different interpretations with principles set in stone, she continued. But is hermeneutics static or dynamic in the sense that it can change as methods of interpretation adapt to different cultural contexts? If our hermeneutical models are all from the West, how can we derive practical applications in our African context? That is standpoint theory, standpoint theology, that African people understand the Bible differently. And, and we, therefore, need to account for skin color and interpretation, which is the exact opposite of what biblical hermeneutics seeks to do. You are to erase yourself. I shouldn't read the Bible as a man, as a tall person. Uh, you would say, well, a tall, what does a tall person have to do with interpreting the Bible? Same thing with gender. Uh, just because I'm a man, I, I got to lose that. And anybody who teaches hermeneutics well would tell you, you got to lose all of those pre-understandings, your height, your athletic skills, or lack thereof. All of those things need to go away before you read the text to understand what the author intended it to communicate. Standpoint theory says, no, bring your skin color. Inside of Christianity Today, they actually have an article. This is actually describing a seminary. Fully indigenous, fully following Christ. A newly accredited seminary offers program with a different approach to faith and culture. What is this all about? It's a seminary to offer a theological education to indigenous people in the United States, Canada, and the world. That's standpoint theory. That you, as an indigenous person, you, you got to read the Bible through your filter. What you bring to the table to understand the Bible your way. In other words, what does the Bible say to you? It's previously known as the North American Institute of Indigenous Theological Studies. This would be like saying that there needs to be a seminary for men with big hands. I'd go to that seminary because you don't know what it's like to have big hands. And I bring that to the interpretive party. You'd say, calm down. Your big hands have nothing to do with interpreting the Bible. And neither does your ethnicity or your background or your history. We read the Bible, what does it say? And we apply it to different cultural contexts, but the cultural contexts are not supposed to sit on top and drive the interpretation of Scripture. It's basically hermeneutics backwards. So this particular seminary 
It's a vision of seeing men and women journey down the road of living of a living heart relationship with Jesus in a transformative way, which was does not require the rejection of their creator-given social and cultural identity. And they now have doctorates in indigenous Christian theology. Let's have a doctorate in people with bad knees Christian theology. You'd go, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Why does it make sense? Well, it's because our culture in our postmodern world, because this is related to postmodernism, it is also related to Marxism, the creators of standpoint theory, it has Marxist roots. We seem to accept that if you happen to be of a less powerful people group, so they claim, well, then you need to interpret the Bible your way because your life experience is different. Do you recall, I think it was Trevin Wax who shared the response of Russians to the story of the prodigal son. The American response is, do you believe the dude wasted his inheritance? The Russians went, do you believe he left his family? Well, what's the difference? Cultural context. But should our cultural context drive our interpretation of the prodigal son? Absolutely not. We want to know what Jesus intended to say when he was communicating the story of the prodigal son. Then I apply it to Russia or I apply it to America. I don't let my zip code determine how I read the Bible. If you turn your version of Christianity today over to page 67, the hidden figures of Christianity. Now, this is brought to you by CT Advertising, how Christian women are reclaiming their place in history. And it offers, boy, I think this is, this is just so offensive. Now, this is a daily an Inspire Illustrating Bible. So it's got the Bible, and then it's got cute doodles with flower adorning the Bible verses, because, you know, that's what women are all about. I find that offensive, but what do I know? I'm not a woman. Well, here's the Woman's Study Bible. Receiving God's truth for balance, hope, and transformation. What is that? Standpoint theory. Study church history. This is from a theological seminary, study church history with the women writing the next chapter. Terrific. And then you've got for yourself, here's all of the biographies they recommend. See if you find a theme in this. Oh, over, uh, this is Streams in the Desert, Rene of France, Julian of Norwick. Well, who are these women? These are all desert. These are mystics. These are Catholic women who were very mystical. They're being promoted in Christianity today. Nobody's mother. Here's another book. How has misinterpreting Paul led to the silencing of women? And more ads for more women's view Bible studies. What is that? It's standpoint theory. And it must, must be rejected by the evangelical church as much as we reject the tall person with big hand. Bible. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? a buck, one dollar. 
That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We appreciate you when you tune in and listen every day. We appreciate you when you visit our website and purchase our resources. And we appreciate you when you reach into your pocket, pull out your hard-earned money, and donate to this ministry. That means more to us than you realize. As a matter of fact, it means the world to us, quite literally, because you help us reach people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it costs way more more than pocket land and warm feelings to produce wretched radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. It takes resources, and it takes gospel partners. So for those of you already on board as ongoing monthly gospel partners, thank you. And if you haven't become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would love it if you would prayerfully consider doing so. All of the answers to all of the questions we know you have can be found at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare, would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Books of the Bible. Zephaniah begins with a shocking prophecy that God will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. But in the midst of judgment, God offers hope of salvation. Zephaniah gives us a picture of God's terrible wrath and reminds us of the wrath Jesus took upon himself for our sake. Flee to the Savior and be saved. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school. What's the word on the street? This is Wretched Radio. Standpoint theory of theology. Uh, that would be the word. Actually, it would be plural. It would be the words du jour, which are also the words of the day. Delicious. I think you shouldn't have that, however, because standpoint theory of theology is postmodern. It's also Marxist. In its early origins, it is a system of interpretation that is the exact opposite of biblical hermeneutics. This taken from the Internet, so you know it's true. Feminist standpoint theorists make three principal claims. Please note, these feminist standpoint theorists could be called 
feminist standpoint, theologians. And there are many of them. Christianity today is loaded with the, with the smell of standpoint theology. Number one, knowledge is socially situated. See, that's where people get tripped up in this is that they get talked into believing that that statement is accurate. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I watched Gilligan's Island and we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. So, yeah, 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 I bring that. Yeah, that's how I understand stuff. Well, that's partially true. It might be how you respond to things, but that doesn't change truth itself. This is why postmodernism is antithetical to biblical Christianity and so is standpoint theory. It puts the receiver into the driver's seat. We are to be receiving truth. Besides, how do we even know whose knowledge is correct? Jimmy, you grew up in rural Tennessee. See? Yes. And I grew up in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh-huh. Um, so which one of our truths is right? Well, whose standpoint is right? So that now you've got vying standpoints. You've got different people who bring different life experiences, all interpreting a text based on their knowledge. Hermeneutics says, no, we need a judge. We need an arbiter. We need somebody to tell us this is what is true. Now apply it, whether you live in the Twin Cities or rural Tennessee. Apply it where you are. But where you are doesn't determine the interpretation. Number two. Marginalized groups are socially situated in ways that make it more possible for them to be aware of things and ask questions than it is for non-marginalized. So in other words, the critique of standpoint theory is uh, powerful white guys have been interpreting the Bible a certain way, and it's wrong for people in more powerful social structures to interpret and drive our understanding of the text. So instead, we're going to have marginalized people in that position of authority. See what they did there? Number three, research, particularly that focused on power relations, should begin with the lives of the marginalized. Does the Bible apply to those people who are in Cuba, to those who live on Madison Avenue? Yes, it does. But their disparate life experiences do, do not, they shouldn't bring anything to the Bible. They shouldn't. Now, Hermeneutically, I, I can, through experience of life, try to understand what is going on in the text, try to understand what's going on there. That's not what this is. This is, no, 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 no. This is what's going on in there because this is the way that I see the world, because this is the way I grew up. This is my skin color. This is my gender. This is my sexuality. This is my weight. Whatever the intersections are, which, by the way, feminist standpoint theory, they're cousins of intersectionality. There's indigenous standpoint theory. We saw that in Christianity today. There's ethnic standpoint theory, feminist standpoint theory, people with big feet theory. You know, we need to buy people with big feet. Had a different life. Ex Fighting shoes isn't easy, you know. The when you're a teenager, you grow out of them fast. And when your family doesn't have money to keep buying you shoes for the gunboats that are growing out of your ankles, it isn't fun. And I bring that to the Bible. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? 
Incidentally, over at the Gospel Coalition, feminist theology as critique and renewal of theology. And this sure does appear to be a 12-page article that affirms this feminist way of reading the Bible. Feminist theology is critique and renewal of theology. It is not a renewal of theology. Theology is alive and well. They want to deconstruct theology. And the mechanism for that is using standpoint theory. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. I just got a text. Okay. Your prayers have been answered. About? The well-trimmed beard Bible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that it's, you can understand. You know, it, yeah. what, were you an editor on, I, the, on the well-trimmed Bible? I turned it down. You, you know what? Maybe a comment. Just a more of an accessible commentary. <laughs> Maybe for guys whose beards aren't as well trimmed as yours. Okay. But you could write, you, you bring that perspective to the interpretive process. <laughs> what is meant by feminist theology? Patriarchy is the big problem. That's, this is, by the way, Gospel Coalition. Feminist theology, as feminism in general, is based on egalitarian anthropology. Huh. Interesting. And I'm telling you, Christianity today is uh, full of this theory, and it shouldn't surprise us. I took the time, so you don't have to, of actually going through, in the very front of the Christianity Today episode, I do not know how this found its way on my desk. I'm pretty certain it wasn't sent by Christianity Today, and if it had been, they aren't going to send another one. There are 37 employees underneath Russell Moore, the editor-in-chief and publisher Jacob Walsh, those are two men, at least we're going to presume they identify as men. Underneath, it's the executive editor, the editorial director of the news, et cetera, et cetera. There are 37 employees. Would you like to guess how many of them are men? Two. Seven. Oh, wow. Seven out of 37. Hey, that's disproportionate. Is it any wonder that Christianity today has gone astray? Yes. I wrote that, sort of. It's just loaded with feminine, pers feminine articles. For instance, here's an article by the wife of Derek Webb. Do you remember Derek Webb's name? He was Mr. Cademan's call. And he attended the Grammys this year in a dress in solidarity with Flamey Grant, the transgender Christian singer. She's got a nice article inside of this. Here's Reclaiming the Dream. This is uh, after 60 years of co-opting Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech. We need to re-examine his message. Well, I looked up the author, who happens to be a male, and by all accounts, he's about as woke as you're going to get. Why? Well, that's where Christianity today is. It is absolutely bending, screeching to the left. By the way, there was a good article in here. Got to give credit where credit is due. This was a good article from Daryl Bach from Dallas Theological Seminary. He was apparently taking apart Luke because he spent a number of decades studying the Gospel of Luke. And his observation in the Gospel of Luke, this is about John the Baptist. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. This is the forerunner. And he will go as forerunner before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And here's what he's going to do to prepare the way for the Lord to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Huh. Did, did they keep the word fathers in here? <laughs> Staggering. 
to turn the hearts of their fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. And he, he pulls out of the text and then he scooted over to Luke chapter 3. He could have been quoting 2 Corinthians 7. That repentance, genuine repentance, isn't just vertical. It's also horizontal. That when you and I understand what Jesus has done for us, it brings about a desire not just for an ongoing reconciliation between us and God, but between us and others. That's a good word. But please excuse me for being a little bit cynical in that the entire magazine, it's about racial reconciliation, feminist standpoint, theology, theory, uh, to make culture happy and different people groups not upset with Christians that they actually kind of allowed that good Daryl Bach article in because it talks about how we need to be repenting to people and living in harmony with others. You say, are you sure about that cynical approach? Well, the cover story on Christianity Today is they, them, there. Does it matter if Christians declare their pronouns? Do you have to say your pronouns if your work asks or somebody says, what are your pronouns? They give both sides, but they definitely kind of smelled like they were tipping to, hey, respect the dignity of human beings. And it isn't necessary to, because you're an ambassador, that's how you love people. Well, I would say you love people by telling them the truth and not participating in a lie. Overall, Christianity Today, what a bummer. And yet another evangelical institution gone astray. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with sports news from NASCAR, who's facing accusations of discrimination after announcing a new diversity program which is aimed at hiring more women and minorities. Critics say the program unfairly excludes white males from job opportunities. However, NASCAR insists diversity and inclusion are important values they want to promote, though their methods don't seem to be lining up with what they're saying. And on to an update in the Methodist denomination, around 100 more congregations, this time from Ohio, have left the United Methodist Church recently over the divisions on issues like homosexuality, especially among clergy members. The split, as we've talked about, has been brewing for quite some time, and the National Convention of the United Methodist Church won't even take place until sometime in 2024, even though thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of congregations have already left the UMC. In political news, Vice President Kamala Harris's stepdaughter, Ella Imhoff, has raised nearly $8 million in relief efforts for Gaza. And while tyranny obviously is commendable, not, uh, not a lot of wisdom in how those funds are allocated here, is it? Shifting to overseas, Christian buildings have been damaged in recent military conflicts in Sudan. A church, a school, and health center were all struck in the Nuba Mountains. While details are still uncertain, places of worship are being damaged and destroyed all over the Sudan area. And as we remind you frequently here at Ratchet, please make sure that you're continuing to fervently pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. 
Finally, some good news in the fight to protect life. Kentucky has officially become the first state to fully outlaw abortion since Roe v. Wade was overturned. The Human Life Protection Act went into effect last week. Already, abortion numbers have dropped to zero, but legal battles, of course, will continue in the state. But right now, laws protecting the preborn pretty commendable and courageous in the state of Kentucky. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like sufficiency. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about God. Salvation, doctrine, and life. We do not need any additional revelation to know who God is and what He requires of us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And another thing about Christianity today. Hold on! Oh, thank you, man. Film an 11. Breaking news! Breaking news! Please don't get the channel! It's breaking news! This is going to be good. I'm just exhausted from that. (laughs) (laughs) Watching it, listening to it, and then trying to... Mimic it. This is Wretched Radio. Let me take you back in time for us to consider political systems and what is most important about government. A rather interesting article in the American Reformer, which primarily was focusing on the concept of empire. His case, you can do with this as you see fit. I'm just giving you the context of the article, was that America is indeed an empire, despite protestations of many that says, no, 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 we're not an empire. We don't take over lands. He tries to make the case, yeah, actually, America is an empire. He also cited Great Britain and then ultimately Rome, where he visits, who many would esteem to be perhaps the best or certainly top five best theologians of all time. And that is Augustine or Augustine, depending on whether or not you live in Florida. And he's talking about his critiques of the Roman Empire. Is it good? Is it bad? And why did God raise it up? Because if you believe in Romans 13, which I realize is under new scrutiny these days, nevertheless, governments are ministers of God. So if you've got a stinker of a government, that is what God has providentially ordained for you. You're you're sitting underneath Chuck Schumer. That's what God wants for you. I'm not saying it's an affirmation of Chuck Schumer. I'm just saying Chuck Schumer wouldn't be in power if God did not place him there. He's there because he is being used as a minister, most likely for different purposes than we tend to think about when we consider the political realm. So Augustine or Augustine, can I make a confession? No pun intended. I honestly can never remember which way I'm supposed to pronounce it. I on Jimmy, which way is it anyway? Augustine. That's what I thought. That's what the, I Ag- think. Ag- 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 so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember Augustus and then remember Augustine as opposed to Augustine. That'll be helpful. Alrighty then. Let's go back to City of Man, City of God. Please note Augustine was indeed critical of the Roman Empire. He did not give it a total pass, but he did ask the question, why did God put it there? Why the Roman Empire? Why why didn't the Greek Empire persist? And he addresses those subjects while being critical, certainly, of some of the barbaric aspects of Rome. Nevertheless, Augustine, Augustine, 
The A-man thinks part of the answer is that Rome was the best option on offer. He argued that Roman leaders and society had a love for their city and empire that was noble, if flawed, as opposed to rulers who merely served to enrich themselves and advance their own interests. Rome developed a republican tradition very early on that praised sacrifice for the commonwealth. Isn't that contrary to the postmodern mindset du jour? And placed the needs of the citizens above that of rulers. He thought that was a bright side of the Roman Empire. Romans worried frequently about the corrupting effects of wealth on the ruling class and the character of its citizens. Roman heroes praised by Augustine for their willingness to sacrifice their lives, their fortunes, and in the case of Brutus, even their children for security, virtue, and the glory of their city. Augustine was trying to read history. Always need to be careful because you, you can get wonky pretty fast. But I, I do think that we need to remember that history isn't flotsam and jetsam. It is preordained by God. He is doing stuff. He is working things out. It is typically best interpreted through the rearview mirror. Nevertheless, to not look at history and ask, what was God up to? Uh, I think is probably the opposite ditch. But we don't want to become prognosticators on this is exactly what he's doing because it connects to this date, and that means Jesus is coming back next Tuesday. Rather than merely calling this idolatry or pointing out its vicious aspects, which he does in other books, August Augustine praises Rome and says Christians should imitate their desire to glorify their city and sacrifice on its behalf. Ooh. So there's something the church can learn from the government? Well, it shouldn't be that way. I guess you could observe and say this is that. But remember, the source, the headwaters is the Bible. It's Christianity. And if a government happens to be doing something that resembles a precept of Scripture, well, that's, that's about as far as I'm going to go with it. Got to be careful about telling Christians to learn stuff from the world. It can be done. It just needs to be done very, very carefully. Augustine goes so far as to say that God extended Rome's empire and glory for the advantages of the citizens of the eternal city, that we might diligently and soberly contemplate such examples. I don't think I'd go that far. Because of Rome's commitment to the well-being and moral probity of its people, it has been rewarded with great and glorious empire. So Augustine concludes his section on why true and just God aided the Romans in achieving the glory of so great an empire, stating that the Romans were good men according to the lights of the earthly city. Do you see where he's going with this? He critiques Rome, whether it was the Republic or the Empire. He critiques the bad aspects of it, but... He also asked the question about providence. Why did God raise up this particular group? And his conclusion, are you starting to smell it? It's because the men who were leading it were more virtuous than not. They were sacrificial for something greater than themselves. That's maybe something for us to consider as we head into election season.
what is the most important thing about government? According to Augustine, it wasn't the government structure as much as the people running it. He, 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 he criticized empire and republic, but he was, he was actually positive toward it because of it, it's better than the rest of the people who would run the place because the leaders, mostly in the Roman Empire, he believed, they had virtues that were good for all of us. Government structure, not as important as the people. That also maybe speaks a word about political pragmatism. The defect in Roman virtue in society was its love of praise and glory. Praise and glory, not necessarily bad, but because Rome had no conception of the true God, their motives and actions were very defective. For a virtue to be true virtue, it must fundamentally be ordered by worship of the true God. To make Rome and its glory the primary object of one's actions is to both fail to give God his due and to act contrary to the proper good of our own souls. Can we be patriotic? Sure but only if we understand it's under God, that this is his, this is his country, the whole world, the cattle on a thousand hill. He owns the whole shebang. And so when we're grateful for what used to be a representative republic, we need to be grateful to God to fail to take the next step in our gratitude or our praise is to be an idolater back to Augustine love of praise was able to put a break on more base vices, such as licentiousness, love of luxury, lust for domination, because it cared about the judgment of others. Huh. So how people think about you actually played into how you acted, which is totally 180 from our autonomous society. It directs actions to noble deeds, and sacrifice on behalf of others. But the motivation of Romans was defective and introduced a virus into the Roman body politic that manifested itself in strife, oppression, licentiousness, and civil war. Now, here comes the punchline. The quality of rulers was more important than government structures. He praises emperors Constantine, Theodosius, if you remember, making Christianity a legal religion and then making it the state religion. He says, good character, humility, conduct. They didn't worship the gods, small g, to secure political power, but worship the true God. Augustine is far more concerned with character and quality of leaders than forms of government. Different forms of government are required at different times. Providence raises up different rulers in different times when he judges that the condition of human hearts is deserving of such lords, the sort of government people have is the one they deserve. We love a representative republic. Can't think of a better system. Nobody has to date. Mm, but that's not nearly as important as the people who wield the power and who are those in authority. And so as we go about the business of voting, perhaps especially in the primary season, be thinking about men and women who are the most virtuous, specifically a virtue that is based on their belief, not in a small G God, but a capital G, only true and living God. This is Wretched Radio.
So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. All right, well, buckle up, get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabar is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched attributes of god god is a person he is not a detached, impersonal force. He is a conscious, self-aware being with a mind and a will. He has made himself known through scripture, and most of all, he wants you to know him personally. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Way to go, Oklahoma. I didn't say State University. This is Wretched Radio. Have a confession to make. Woo, the weekend. It pushed my theological positions almost to the breaking point. It started out with Oklahoma State University beating OU. And as I texted Phil Johnson, it brought me dangerously close to the brink of no longer being a cessationist. Because that was, that was just 
clearly a, a miracle. And then the Vikings, <laughs> they won too. By the way, the young man, oh, Jimmy, uh, there were Minnesota's going through the quarterbacks. Oh, uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the cousins uh, is the Achilles. Yeah, yeah. And then the next guy. He got hurt. Concussion, second drive. Right. It's the third fellow. Is it Jacob? Uh, Joshua Dobbs. That's what I said. Joshua Dobbs. Welcome to Sports Talk. All <laughs> wretched. Joshua Dobbs on his whatever site is. He, Clear profession of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, hold on a second. I happen to have it for you. Because, well, a buddy sent it to me. I can't believe that I said it. was Tom Hammond. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I'd imagine he that, did. You that, know that, what? That hurt just a little. <laughs> well, the kid played for Tennessee. That's what I was going to ask yeah, you. So that, you. that's why. <laughs> I get to go to the volunteers. Do they actually call them the volunteers or is it just vols? They call them everything. <laughs> I'm praying for you. I, during the Georgia game. Well, have you ever been? Nope. 120-something thousand people? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh. I, think it, I, think it's, it's, I think it's the second largest stadium. Michigan mm. is number one. Right. It, I think at about 109. Yeah. And it's right by a, a, a cluster of them between 90 and 110,000. Just yeah. staggering. And it's always sold out. And you got to wear the orange mm. or the white, depending on what section you're in. Okay, look, by any definition, that's just a cult. <laughs> that's what you exactly got going what it on is. Right there. <laughs> now, we'll see if it's more of a religious experience than Texas A&M. Because I'm telling you, that was so fascinating. I enjoyed myself from beginning to end. The youthful enthusiasm, the only, and this isn't a critique of a university and tradition and athletic competitions, but you, you couldn't help but sit back. I don't care what game it is, Texas A&M, go to Georgia, and you just wonder, wow, what if our fervor for the Lord were, were half that? Uh, well, then we'd probably be running church services where we're hanging off the chandeliers and things would get a little bit goofy. But the point is just the the excitement and the energy and the calories that are burned toward. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but oh, consider the church, which is actually, I hate to say it. I'm sorry, my Aggie friends. I'm sorry to every volunteer fan. Church is more important than a football game. It just is. It is. It is. The most important thing we can do all week. The most important thing that we can do. By the way, don't know if you heard a sermon on Sunday. Hopefully you did. Uh, Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. I didn't know this about the word corrupting talk. It is used elsewhere in the Bible when it comes to true and false converts. The word for for corrupting talk, how we're not supposed to talk to one another or anybody for that matter, is rotten, putrid, like causing food. It's rotten fruit, a rotten fish. Hey, there's a booklet about Are You a Rotten Fish available at Wretched.org that deals with the subject of true and false converts. Consider what a rotten piece of fruit is like. You ever bitten into one and it's like... You ever smelled a rotten fish? Whoa, get it out. And yet when we gossip, that's what we're serving people. Here, consume this dainty morsel that is rotting. That's what gossip is. By the way, it was providential. We posted a video on that very same subject, I believe, last Friday. 
that has some rules that I think guide us when it comes to the situ- when it comes to the issue of gossip. It's clearly the amount of treatment that the that the subject of gossip receives in the Bible. It's a big deal. The Proverbs loaded with it. But Jesus talked about it, how we're judging the beam and the speck. It's a superior judgmental attitude that we use our mouths to communicate. And Paul deals with it with the Corinthians. Paul deals with it again with the Ephesians, obviously. James, all over the book of James. Watch your mouth. We have an an option when it comes to our tongues. We can either tear down or we can build up. And that's what Ephesians 4 is about. Don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth because it grieves the Holy Spirit. Isn't that fascinating? We have a tendency to talk about the grieving of, hey, your sin can grieve the Holy Spirit. And that is most certainly true. But the context of that verse is your corrupting talk, how you talk about others, how you tear down, how you slander and backbite. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Fascinating. From the tweet that I received, personal life. This is the kid. Dobbs is a Christian. He has spoken about the most important day in his life by saying, that's the day I got baptized and went public with the decision of shedding my old life and putting on the new, hey, that's Ephesians 4, and starting on the new with a relationship with Jesus Christ. The day will come that I won't be a part of any football team. But the day I made the decision during my sophomore year of high school, it'll be a part, I'll be a part of that team for the rest of my life and for all of eternity. Very cool. Yep. Turn, turns out he's playing now for the Minnesota Vikings by way of Tennessee. That's right. From his home base of. Alpharetta, Georgia. Oh, really? Uh, I knew that. I did know that. Yep. Yep. I wonder if he'll be attending Alpharetta Bible Church (laughs) when it starts meeting (laughs) early next year, the end of this particular year. So well done to that kid. That was just, apparently he went into the huddle and he, he, they had to like draw the, I don't know if you played football as a kid, but you drew the plays out on the palm of your hand. Okay. You run that route. You got, you block him. Make sure you take care of him. There's the play. Go! That's what he was doing in the huddle. (laughs) That's absolutely outstanding. Oklahoma declaring November Family Month, even though the state is currently torn because Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma U. The governor saying that family is foundational. It's the foundational institution of society. Hold on! He crossed that imaginary line by stating ordained by God. Well done. And it's, it's a whole month, which is so needed. The encouragement of family, because society is set up currently to divide family, to undermine family. It's not just the autonomy that is so encouraged in youth. Uh, for instance, daycare, which I read somewhere that the cost of daycare is going up so fast, so high. I'm speaking slowly so I can actually find the story. Uh, that people are just, they're, they're quitting their job to go home and be with their kids. It, it, it already cost a lot of money. And to that I say, great. Now, please note, I, I think the ideal is mom and dad home 
mom and dad both working, dad more of the physical labor, but mom contributing, you know, buying and selling a field a la Proverbs 31, but dad sweating from sun up till sundown, mom nurturing, taking care of the home. That's the context of Proverbs 31. I think that's a betterer societal setup than the one that we currently have in response to the Industrial Revolution when men had to skedaddle and get out there and then come home. And if you want somebody to take care of the kids, well, it's going to be mom. Furthermore, society says multi-generational homes. Those, oh, you don't want your kids living in the basement. Um, I'm not so sure I don't because it can be wise and smart. I know we're building back better and all, but have you seen the price of rent on an apartment? In, in this area, I don't think that you could get a studio probably for under $1,500 a month. Minimum, bare minimum. Uh, one bedroom, ka-ching, keep going, ka-ching, yep. ka-ching. So can it be what, can you have somebody who's supersonic lazy? I, I think we're going to be talking about this tomorrow. Um, that's a bad thing. If you've got a kid living in your basement who ain't doing nothing, there was a woman in, what country was she in? She sued to have her 40-year-old sons kicked out of the house because they wouldn't leave and they wouldn't contribute and they wouldn't help. And the judge actually said, yeah, boys, it's time to play adult and quit, quit mooching off of your mom who's taken care of you. But I was reading, we'll do this tomorrow, a long, 33 pages long. You think your pastor's sermon is long. Samuel Miller in the early 1800s talking about one of the contributors uh, to depression and anxiety, idleness. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's the very opposite of what we as human beings need for flourishing. We need to be busy getting on it and not just sitting in our parents' basement playing video games. So salute to at least half of Oklahoma who's celebrating this day, Family Month. Because it is the bedrock institution of society. Here it comes. Ordained by God. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.